Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. I am your host, Laura Reeves. Here at the Good Dog Pod, we are all about supporting dog breeders and responsible dog ownership. We provide dog lovers with the latest updates in canine health and veterinary care, animal legislation and legal advocacy, canine training and behavior science, and dog breeding practices. Subscribe and join our mission today to help give our dogs the world they deserve. Hey, everybody. Are you excited for Westminster 2021? Join us for a breeder appreciation party on Friday, June 11th, sponsored by Good Dog, Embark Vet, and Trupanion. We'll be outdoors at Hudson Anchor Rooftop, less than 10 minutes away from the Westminster site. There'll be free food, drinks, live music, giveaways from Chris Christensen, Revival Animal Health, and a whole lot more. Plus, you can bring your dogs and celebrate the return of dog shows with lots of your fellow breeders. Check the show notes for more information. Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and one of my very favorite people, one of my favorite returning guests, Allison Alexander is back with us. And guess what we're going to talk about? We are going to talk about the Westminster Kennel Club. And Westminster Kennel Club this year, some of you may or may not have heard, has been moved from its perennial date in February at Madison Square Garden due to COVID restrictions. And they have managed to pull together a way to have the Westminster Kennel Club dog show this year. And they are holding it in June in Terrytown, New York, at the very, very beautiful, historic Lynnhurst Estate. And so Allison and I are going to talk about some of the dogs that you might see there. We're going to kind of handicap a little bit who might be in the running. Saturday, June 12th, you'll be able to watch on the various Fox networks. You'll be able to watch on Fox and FS1 are going to be your best bets. And we're going to be able to see different breeds on different days, just like in our normal showing of Westminster Kennel Club when we have it in February. And so on June 12th, you'll be able to see the hounds, the toy group, the non-sporting group, and the herding group. And on Sunday, June 13th, you'll be able to see the sporting working and terrier groups, as well as best in show judging. So we're very excited, Allison and I, to talk about some of the dogs that you're going to be able to see and see if we can give you some ideas of who to root for. What do you think, Allison? Well, I mean, I am just so excited that this event decided that it could happen. How much work did they do? Oh, I mean, the amount of work that they had to do to get this going just to be able to continue the tradition that is Westminster Kennel Club. And, you know, other iconic dog events around the world haven't been so fortunate. The World Dog Show was canceled. Crufts was canceled. So I think that it cannot be underestimated the amount of effort and just sheer will that happened to bring Westminster. And, you know, I couldn't be more thrilled. I'm very happy. I know. I'm very excited. I'm so excited to be able to go and be able to see it and Good Dog and Trupanion and Embark, we're going to be able to be there and see some stuff. So yeah, the Lindhurst estate is very, very historic. It's on the National Register of Historic Places. And it's a 
Gothic Revival Mansion. Can you imagine? 67 acres estate on the National Trust for Historic Preservation. And it was designed in 1838. Can you imagine, Allison? This is going to be so cool. Yeah, it's like going to England. It's like this castle. It doesn't look yeah. like, you know, a mansion is like yeah. playing in. And I think to just have that like sitting in the background mm-hmm. of Westminster Kennel Club to bring the glory, the ambiance, the excitement of Madison Square Garden. I mean, how can you recreate that outside? Well, I thought it was impossible till I saw the pictures of the Lyndhurst Estate. Right? I know. It does have a tradition in purebred dogs as yes. well. Right? It does have some backstory. And I just think that it's another good call, just yep. another good call by the Westminster Kennel Club. And I think it is going to bring that ambiance to it, that air of it being the special event special. that Westminster is. Now, the next one, Allison, that to me brings me literally goosebumps. I have goosebumps already before I even start talking about it. Our best in show judge this year for Westminster Kennel Club is a woman who is incredibly famous within the world of purebred dogs. Anyone who has watched Westminster Kennel Club over the course of the last 50 years might very well have seen Pat Trotter winning the Hound Group with her Norwegian elk hound that she bred, that she owned, that she showed 11 different times since the 60s. Goosebumps. And she is judging best in show. Right. So, I mean, of course, for all those history buffs, when you look it up, it might say Pat Craig. Yes. So when you're looking it up and you think that Laura and I don't know what we're talking about, we actually do. She got married. (laughs) Miss Craig is now Mrs. Trotter. Yes. And yes, I mean, when the Westminster judging panel was first announced, I absolutely got goosebumps because Mm -hmm. all I thought is Pat Trotter will finally be able to carry the best in show ribbon in the best in show ring at Westminster Kennel Club. Like something that if anybody deserves that, it's completely her. I mean, she is just so iconic. She's just such a wonderful judge and wonderful person. She's a wonderful human. You know what I'm saying, Allison? This is someone I talk to at dog shows. She asks me questions about my breed and she sincerely wants my answer. And she is an absolute student of dogs. If there is anyone as you said, who deserves this honor. I truly can't think of anyone else who deserves it more. You literally like stole the words right out of my mouth, right? She is an educator, but more importantly, she is a student. And all of the research that she's done on breeding dogs, I showed a family of very iconic Salukis. Yes. And she at one point stopped to talk to me because she said this very prolific stud dog, which she was always very interested in, had only sired like I think seven litters worldwide, but five of them were breedings done by the people that I showed dogs for and she just wanted to know like she didn't want to know just about the ones that I was showing but like what about the other ones and what did the Mm -hmm. other mothers look like etc as a comparison and just the questions that she asked were so intelligent and you know and she breeds Norwegian elk hounds and they're not the most popular breed in the world but I can literally go anywhere in the world and see Norwegian elk hounds and see hundreds of them and then go oh that one that, was bred by you know, that is a Venelka dog. <laughs> exactly. Because they do have that stamp, that look, mm-hmm. that breed type. And you can't say that about every breed, and especially with a breed that is so rare and does look so different all over the world. I it's mean, not I, a fancy breed. And I've had a couple of conversations with Pat actually on the podcast and in real life. And she is very much like her dogs. She's not fancy. Right. She's very down to earth. She was a school teacher. 
And it shows to this day. And I think I could literally get weepy. So we're going to have to <laughs> change the <laughs> subject. But to me, everyone should watch Best in Show Judging at Westminster Kennel Club this year because that is history being made right there. And not to bring you to tears, but I have to say, I don't think at least recent memory, I mean, maybe Maxine Beam, but I don't know that there has been a best in show judge choice that just has the fancy behind it. So thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah. And I just really, really feel that like you can ask anybody and you know, because Westminster is so different this year in a different place, in a different time of year. We just yesterday had a bunch of judge changes because of border. People can't get here, right? And so there are so many things. But the one thing that everybody wants to get behind and everybody wants to celebrate and everybody wants to talk about in the most positive way ever is a judge. Like that never happens. That's usually the most controversial part. Everyone hates them. (laughs) But this one is just like, oh my God, thank God Pat Trotter gets to judge best in show. Like everybody is saying that. And just like I have goosebumps saying it again, you had goosebumps. Mm-hmm. Like it is the most iconic moment, I think, for Westminster. And Kennedy. here's a thing that I think, Allison, many times when we go to a dog show and it's Westminster or it's any other dog show, we know the players, you and I, and we have a pretty good guess. It's going to be one or two or three of these dogs that have the best chance, just percentage wise, just based right. on what we know all of the various things going on. And that's why in the past, you and I have handicapped the Westminster Kennel Club and been pretty, I'm going to say, spot on, just P.S. We rocked it. We pretty much rocked it. I'm telling you what, I couldn't guess this year. Pat has such her own integrity and mind to what she wants to do. And that is the thing. Like anybody that you talk to, it is so important to her that the dogs ooze that essence of type to her. But, you know, when we talk about dog types, like dogs looking like the breed, she wants them to ooze it in every way. She wants that to be their temperament. Temperament and their movement. Yes. And it's not going to be just a big show off. It's going to be down to every single thing. And I cannot wait, but you're right. There is no way you can call this. because I couldn't call it if I tried. (laughs) And, And you know what? I don't think she could. Like, I think that if you held her at gunpoint right now and said, say who it's going to be, right. If this dog makes it into your ring, will it win best in show? She couldn't tell you, even if she loved that dog, because you never know what else is there. Yeah. All the other factors that would go into it. And I mean, I guess, thank goodness that she is the person, the human that she is, because otherwise I think it would really drive people crazy. And that's the part that I can't wait. I can't wait for her to walk into the center of the ring. And I think she's going to take a deep breath. And I think there's going to be one little tear. And then I think it's going to be school teacher down to business. And she's going to just love every single minute of a roller coaster. I think it will be a roller coaster emotionally for her. Yes. And I think whoever wins, it's going to be like winning a thousand Westminsters, even if they're the honor of the lifetime, right? Yeah. Okay. Sobbing again. So let's talk. (laughs) Let's talk about dogs. Let's talk dogs, Allison. There's some great dogs being shown this year, even though this has been a COVID year, people have had to show in a much more limited fashion. Dog shows have not been accessible. They have not been available. The normal things that we would look at, like rankings and who's competed against who, almost doesn't even count. There could be a dog being shown at Westminster that no one has ever seen, literally. 
because of the pandemic and it finished and nobody could show it and it's a champion and there it is and it's amazing. Here's my throwdown, Allison. I look for an upset. I look for a surprise. I can't disagree. I think best in show this year is going to be more up to the breed and the group judges than it is to Pat Trotter. And I think you're right. I think Westminster being held in February is a different beast. Being held in February, all the top dogs from the year before have still been out. We still remember them. They're still in condition. They're still showing. They're still doing all those things. And a lot of them plan on retiring at Westminster, win or lose, right? Like that's their last big hurrah. And that is something that I have enjoyed about Westminster in the past is being able to see those dogs for the last time. All together. Even if it was a sad, right? Even if it was a sad group second. It was just a place that that happened. So yes, now we have all these other dynamics into it. So first of all, those dogs that ended up top dog last year, some of them have been shown sparingly, but can we tell if they've been shown sparingly? Because dog shows themselves have been sparingly, right? Correct. Like normally we would have been at the thousands of dog shows so far and we're at like, you know, a couple hundred. Maybe uh, they, a couple hundred. Yeah, generous if you count all the specialties, et cetera. Right. So we just don't have that. And again, you're right. The statistics, how can you count on that? There has been some states that haven't had any dog shows yet. Oregon has not. I will tell you right now, Oregon is having its very first dog show this weekend since February of last year. Oregon has not had a dog show. Canada has not had a dog show yet this year. The first one will be Saturday and it's not even all breed. It's a specialty show. And of course, we do have a lot of dogs from foreign countries that often come, but now those which have always been interesting. And a potential, what do we call that? Like a dark horse. Right, right. A dog coming in that can really upset things at the breed level. Right. And so I think that those things have always kind of been in the mix. And this year, a little bit less because we're not going to have those foreign dogs coming in because of COVID. And Just a lot of very, very different things. So I think it's going to be interesting. Then we have four new breeds. Exactly where I was going. You read my mind as usual. So in Canada, we've seen many, many Barbet. And I think if you look at the Legato, who was a brand new breed just a couple years ago, and now there's one that is number two all breeds right right now. You know, I think that that's interesting. So we have the Barbet. We have the, you say I pronounce it more like Beaver. Beaver Terrier, yes. Which is a cute Um, little long-coated dog of multicolors, gold and white and tan, that has only a ponytail. It's not allowed to have jewelry. So, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and you know, the Barbet, for people that aren't familiar, they kind of look like a Barbet. People are going to dislike me. But being in Canada, where we have had them for a long time, and being a poodle person, I would often meet poodle people at the dog show and agree to like help them put their first haircut on the dog. And sometimes I would see a young Barbet walking through the building, and I would think, oh, I really hope that's not the poodle I have to groom today. So they can look like a big, overgrown poodle, but they carry their tail low, have that same kind of hair, that same continuously growing hair, although it's showing more rustic, we would call it. Much more rustic. And... The grooming needs are high on a barbet. You have oh, to comb through it. You have to do all that. You still have to trim it. But it is a very cute face, very whiskery, fluffy. I mean, yeah, I think they're adorable. Weird. Yeah, like I really like them as well. But we have had them up here for 20 years. Right. I have an interview on my other podcast with one of the breeders in this country. And it was fascinating learning about their history. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, those poodle people are always trying to decide what came first. who like have done a lot of research articles for different poodle clubs. And yeah, it's always something that kind of sneaks in there. It's okay. What about Barbie? And they're like, okay. Well, (laughs) and another fascinating breed that we're going to get to see at Westminster for the first time this year is the fourth in a quartet of Belgian shepherd dogs. So many of us have seen a Belgian Treveran, which looks sort of like a long-coated German shepherd. That would be like the normal first glance. We've seen the Belgian Malinois, very famous military dogs have been involved in a number of really high profile instances. We might have even seen, although they're less common, the Belgian sheepdog, which is the black version of this group of breeds. And this year, for the very first time, we're going to get to see the Belgian Lakenois, which is essentially the wire coated version. It isn't really a wire coat like we think of in a terrier, but I've had my hands on them. They're really, really interesting. We've had Lacanois in Canada again for many years because mm-hmm. we show all of our Belgians as one breed. So that's allowed for that coat type. And you're right. I think it is a very interesting coat type. It's almost like a grown out wire coat, kind of like, you know, wirier <sighs> than an otter hound, maybe, but yes. not a true carrier type. Think of an Airedale that you haven't trimmed in two years. That's right. the kind of coat I think they have a little cleaner on the face. But that basic concept, um, just really fun. And then on the sleek end of the new breeds this year, we have the Dogo Argentina, which is a very imposing, very large breed from Argentina. And again, a breed I love. Going to the World Dog Show and stuff, I've seen quite a few of them win the group. And I mean, the breed competition can be very, very fierce. And I don't want to say that in the Yeah, please don't use that word. (laughs) But the competition amongst the exhibitors and breeders can be very intense, although the breed itself does also have an intense personality, right? Like this is not a breed for everyone. This is a breed for somebody that is going to lay down the law and going to make sure that their dog is engaged. Boundaries. Yeah, tons of boundaries because they can have that very tenacious Staffordshire Bull Terrier Amstaff kind of temperament, but they're humongous. They're very large and they're very powerful. And my understanding, and I'm pulling this from memory and don't have it in front of me. So I, if I make a mistake, please forgive me and someone correct me. My memory of my understanding, not only were they guarding the large estates in Argentina, they actually were used to hunt jaguar. Am I right about they, that? They hunted wild boar. Okay. But big game hunting, originally wild boar, but did go on to big game hunting all the cats, but very specifically jaguar. Yes. You are absolutely correct. They are predominantly white. So they might have like a little bit of a facial marking, etc. Super short coat. That's, I think, low maintenance grooming. Right. But, you know, they are tall. The boys weigh more than 100 pounds. And they have a temperament that can, like, wild boar and jaguars are serious. And these things stare them down. But I love them. Like they can be so beautiful in the show ring because they are so athletic looking. They're one giant muscle. Just muscle. But not over muscle. Lithe. Yes. And so I don't know. I just think that beautiful ones are really, really beautiful. So just like some really interesting new breeds this year, you know? I think people are going to have lots of dogs to cheer for. I know there is a Samoyed that's doing very, very well in dog shows here in the U.S. And Samoyed, of course, have that wonderful smile. 
So they're white and fluffy and just a wonderful breed for people to watch. So hopefully you'll get to see Samoyed. What are some other breeds that are doing really well that we might want to watch for? Well, I mean, in the sporting group, you know, I think we have a couple of Irish setters and a Springer that are doing really well. And of course, we have the Legato. That's number two all breeds. Her name's Orca, and she's just like cute as a button. She just loves life and, you know, really kind of draws you into her personality wise, like any time that I've seen her. I think one thing that could have been very interesting if we remember the little Affen Pinscher that went fourth in group last year and kind of like set the world on fire that way, those same people had a young dog that I think could have really pushed the other Affen, who I also love from a very similar bloodline. But I think that that could have been a big competition in the breed. But the one shown by the people that own Mila, the entry didn't make it. But I still think the toy group is the place to watch because we have Hiram with the number one toy dog, the Pekingese. Then we have David with the other Pekingese. Ever, ever count out who was top dog, who won every major award there was to win in the two years that he was out, except Westminster Kennel Club. And he's been out sporadically. Like, is this something that might have been much different had it been February, right? Right. Also, Pekingese on the grass. Pekingese Pekingese on the grass. grass. Okay, you guys. Many of our listeners are not dog show aficionados. And the Pekingese is something that many people don't understand. And they think of it as a moving mop. I think they're freaking adorable. But it is hard for them because they're very low to the ground. (laughs) And moving in grass could be a challenge. Yes. I mean, they were bred so that the little Japanese girls with the bound feet could catch them on a tile floor. So imagine how sometimes they move on the grass because, you know, they have little Elizabethan legs and they're close to the ground. And some Pekingese, because of that, and because they just hate the grass, like no matter how structurally they would be able and they can run and gallop through the grass at home, but you get them on a show leash and they're just like, yeah, I don't walk on the grass, by the way. What you're describing, the Pekingese attitude is so on point. So for anyone who's never been around a Pekingese, they are royalty in their minds. And if they don't want to walk on the grass, then they just plain don't walk on the grass. And that's just all there is to it. (laughs) And so I just think that there's so many layers to that. We Mm -hmm. have a Pekingese that's number one toy this year that not many people have seen because there haven't been that many dog shows. Then we have our perennial favorite guy, David with Wasabi, who the only thing he's been denied is best in show at Westminster Kennel Club. But he's going against this dog that's out there this year. Younger, fresher. Right. And then there's this grass. You know, I think that if I was either handler, I'd be just like, are you kidding me? It's on the grass? (laughs) Like, that's how I would be. So that'll be interesting. And then you kind of alluded to this in the very, very beginning. Yes. What about... What about Bono? Right. Bono is the Havanese that was everyone's darling last year, who Allison and I absolutely rooted for. We love Bono. Bono is out and he's almost to 100 best in shows. I just saw Bono. I saw him in Idaho and he looks amazing. He is absolutely charming as always. So I'm saying. Yeah. And I mean, Bono has been like the crowd favorite. Everybody loves him. And the same thing. I haven't seen him this year, but everybody that has has just said that he has not missed a step, that he is just right back at it and just like loves every minute of it. 
And like, do we know if they're planning on taking him to Westminster? You know, so this is always the great secret for people that don't know dog show entries. We don't get to know who's going to be there unless we know them personally until the catalog comes out, which is that morning. And that list of who everyone has entered, that doesn't even say you might have sent your entries in and then decided, ah, I'm not going to do that. So you don't even know until you get to the ring. This is always the excitement that I think it's so sad that spectators will not be able to really watch as closely as we would like to. There will be daytime programming through the Fox networks and all of those sorts of things, but three and four deep at these rings in pre-COVID times to see some of these really exciting breeds where the competition was really close, you know, to see Hiram's dog and David's dog together in the Pekingese ring and who handles the grass and you know, we're all standing outside. That's going to be missing this year. And while I understand exactly why and support exactly why, it makes yeah. me sigh. <laughs> it is a big sigh. You even have people who are perennial spectators at Westminster. I even have some really good friends from England who, yes, they exhibit like maybe once every three years, but they come every year. And it's just that big melting pot of people, which, again, totally understand, totally support why we don't have that this year. But totally on board. Right. It is going to be different. But, you know, to hear also the crowd, like, you know, the public that we're speaking to, even through this podcast that would show up at the dog show and really get behind those dogs. Think about Daniel. Think about how everyone was behind the Golden Retriever. And I love the enthusiasm for the dogs. I am going to put one note in here. Here at dog shows, we don't ever boo a competitor. And I was really heartbroken last year when I heard actual booing from in the audience. So if you're a podcast listener and you're going to watch the dog show wherever you are, please understand and respect our culture. We don't boo our etiquette. Yeah, it is not the etiquette that we like to see at our dog shows worldwide. That doesn't happen. And yeah, I think that that was a really good kind of shout out. So one of the things that COVID has done, you know, so we have our group judges. So dog shows are divided into our seven groups. So we have like our gun dogs to just start off the bat. The gun dog group judge, which is a huge responsibility. That's one of the biggest groups breed-wise. Sporting group Um, has one of the largest numbers. Absolutely. And we were supposed to have Frank Kane from England come over Mm -hmm. and judge it. And of course, because of COVID, he can't. Now, been replaced by James Covey, which is fantastic. but fabulous judge. But we've just kind of lost that international flair. I'm really, really excited that Bill Shelton's doing herding. I think that that's such a good fit and like so well-deserved. A personal favorite of mine, Dr. John Reeve Newson. I know both of ours. Very sad. I wanted to see him judge the non-sporting group because his dedication to the French Bulldog, he's had beautiful poodles. I just love his judging, his mannerisms, the whole thing. He is a gentleman. He he is a gentleman in the long tradition of dog shows. He really epitomizes that to me. I so 100% agree. And to me, he is Canadian. And again, he also had to cancel. Yesterday was the announcement because of COVID travel restrictions. So I'm hoping that these two gentlemen do get to pick up their assignments, if not next year, in the next couple of years. Yeah, I think that it is going to be interesting. Also, like some of these entries went in when those group judges were those group judges, right? Right. And you might be willing to take a gamble and fly across the country and go through all the testing and all the everything that you have to do to get yourself and your dogs to Westminster if you want to bring this particular judge. (laughs) Right. 
And now, of course, we've had many other changes at the breed level. So is that also going to be a factor? And again, there's always one or two little judge changes, but never kind of the scale that we've seen because of COVID. I think they, again, did a fantastic job at least giving everybody a month's notice. So if there was plane tickets and stuff you needed to cancel, you had plenty of time to do it. And not because you're a bad sport, but just if you know that a certain judge might favor your, some Samoids are bigger and fluffier and some are smaller and tighter coated. So anything could happen like that. I mean, I'm just so happy they put the time and the effort into actually having the show. But then when you just start thinking of all these other things that are kind of going on. You and I have always been able to call out and say, nope, we think it's going to be one of these two dogs and these are going to be the winners. And we've been pretty confident about that. Not confident about that this year. (laughs) And you know what? Here's the thing that I think. I think that makes it even more special. I'd have to agree. And I actually never thought of it until you just said this right now. But as much as we use Westminster in February as kind of a way to say goodbye to those top dogs from the year before, maybe having it this year in June under this new we haven't had as many dog shows. We haven't seen as many dogs. There haven't been the big records already set. All these mm-hmm. things. Maybe this is going to be a hello. Yes. And isn't yes. that also kind of special that this that's, is the hello? That's what I think. I have this gut thing. There's going to be somebody break out. I know Ooh. Pat. I'm just telling you, Pat loves to find a new dog. That is one of her great joys in life. You know this about her. She no loves question. that. There and are so many dogs that none of us have seen. None of us. Yes. Maybe it finished in February at the garden last year and nobody's right. seen it since then. What happened? Yep. When also to be knighted in such a way by Pat Trotter would just completely change everything. I have already said this already on this podcast. As much as winning Best in Show at Westminster is a thing, winning Best in Show at Westminster under Pat Trotter, whoo, like whoo, there's done. nothing else. I quit right there. Yeah. I'm done. Peace yeah. out. Exactly. <laughs> Bury me on Lindhurst Estate. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Allison, I always have such a wonderful time talking to you. I know our listeners enjoy hearing your insight, and I'm very excited to get to see you. I'm super hoping that you, the Canadian, can make it. Yes. Apparently I have been granted access, so I will be there. And uh, Laura, I mean, I just want to thank you for everything that you bring to the world of dogs. And I love Pure Dog Talk. I love this Good Dog podcast that you're doing now. I think such a service. And as always, my conversations with you are among my favorites. So thank you so much for having me again. Every time. Good Dog is a secure online community that advocates for dog breeders educates the public, helps informed puppy buyers connect directly with certified good breeders, and promotes responsible dog ownership. Good Dog is offering its good breeders special advanced access to the video recordings and transcripts for the full three-part Q&A webinar series with Dr. Hutchinson. All you have to do is sign up as a breeder at gooddog.com slash join. That is g-o-o-d-d-o-g dot com slash join or click the link in the show notes.